Ooh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Michael Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, babe, we're doing good over here. How you doing, brother? Oh, doing good, doing good. Ready to start another week. Another week closer to college football, Mike. How could I be doing bad? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fireworks are already going off. It's like, we, we got, that's the cool thing. You know, my neighborhood is so thoughtful. They're firing off, they're just getting them <laughs> test rounds out, you know, scaring the shit out of my dogs. It's awesome. Uh, you know, it's like the older I get, the more I'm turning into my parents. You know? It's like, damn whippersnappers. <laughs> you know, speaking of getting close to the season, Shane, I mean, this really is a dead time for for college football we're all reading our preseason magazines Mm -hmm. we got sec media days right around the corner and you know we got some feedback from from uh, last week we had steven lazen on the show outstanding guest we hit on every sec team shane but i did see you know one guy in particular called us out basically said hey you didn't talk about kentucky enough but there's only so much time on one show shane when when you got 14 teams to discuss, right? So I thought, hell, I timed this out perfectly, Shane. If we cover (laughs) one SEC team from now until SEC media days, we can pretty much dedicate an entire show to a camp preview for every single SEC team. So, hell, this is uh, our version of Athlon. You know what? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And what better team with the Tennessee Homer to start with <laughs> than them Tennessee balls? So, hey, if there's news that pops up, you know, we're still going to cover it. But right. for the time being, this is, uh, I think, an excellent way to stretch the, the couple weeks we got here until SEC Media Days. And like I said, we're going to start with the balls and, and we'll hit on any big news items that come. But you know, this time of year, it's just a dead time. So this is a great way, I think, to to just kind of refresh everybody's mind on, on these teams and what they got looking forward to. And we're at the very end, we're going to take an optimistic look at the schedule and give projections yeah. for what this team could accomplish. So you ready to talk some Tennessee Vols, brother? That's my favorite. I think the the best part of this preview is, like you said, we've did we've done this before. We're, we're, we're wearing the rose-colored glasses when we're looking at the schedule, and we're going to come away with the best-case scenario for my Tennessee Vols and, and future teams as we go through this. So um, I'm ready. I'm always ready to talk optimism, especially <laughs> when it comes with my beautiful team in Knoxville, Tennessee. So just quickly, we'll hit on you know what happened last year, Shane, seven and six season. Mm-hmm. Not the standard at Tennessee, but hell, you got to remember where that program was when Josh Heupel took it over. Many people had the Vols pegged as the fifth or sixth best team in the East. They finished third last season, went to the Music City Bowl, dropped it in controversial fashion to Purdue. Uh, even Paul Feinbaum went on to his show after that and said, well, hell, I count that as a win for the way the uh, the refs mm-hmm. robbed Tennessee. but So that's what we had last season, 7-6. and six. And why is there so much momentum with this Tennessee team, Shane? It's because of all that they return. We'll get to the, the players in a minute, but I want to highlight, of course, 
Josh Heupel going into his second season here on Rocky Top. Heupel's career coaching record, Shane, 35 and 14. You can, all these uh, coaching stats reference, I reference, you can find these up at uh, thatsecpodcast.com. Like I said, 35 and 14, a, a 71% winning percentage. Mm-hmm. Just four and four against SEC opponents last season, but again, that much better than anticipated. Two and two at home, two and two on the road in conference play. We got to do a lot better than that at home if we want to eventually reach Atlanta. Uh, that goes without saying. But how about this, Shane? Biggest SEC win last year for Josh Heupel: thirty-eight points on the road at Missouri. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Yeah. The biggest loss, though, 24 points lost at Florida and also 24-point loss at home against Georgia, of course, the uh, eventual national champion. So we got to clean that up. You know, I, that is one big thing I th- I thought. I don't know about you, Shane. Let, let's get your thoughts on this. and just. But, you know, under Jeremy Pruitt, it just seemed like anytime you were playing Georgia, Alabama, or, or a team that was rising – Tennessee just got destroyed under yeah. under Josh Heupel. For the most part, they were competitive, including, I mean, how often are, are we looking back at a Tennessee season and saying Alabama gave them their biggest whooping? You can't say <laughs> that this, under uh, Josh Heupel, and it's just been one year. You know what? Yeah. No, that's the thing. It's just optimism. It's, 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 there's a lot of hype coming into the season for a good reason. We've got a talented roster. We've got a returning quarterback. This, this is an opportunity, a second year for, for Heupel and company. And I, I think when when you think about new coaches coming in, the dreaded two, three, four-year rebuild is the thing that they keep throwing out there. Mm-hmm. And and Heupel didn't. I mean, this this – he could have came out and, and said, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna try, we're gonna do the best we can, but we're we're thin, we're we're not gonna be as competitive. But he didn't do that. He just went out there and played football. And there was a lot of games that we blew teams out of the water. We had trouble closing more games out than we did actually staying in the games. But uh, I, I think going into year two, knowing that we have a quarterback, like I said, knowing that we have some returning talent on the outside, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about in Knoxville, Tennessee right now. So I think that's why this is different than years past. Uh, Pruitt, you get down a couple scores, you're done. <laughs> you know, right. you just you get down two scores, the game is over. Now it's like, well, we can score in two series. We'll be right back into this thing. Yeah, and a big reason for that optimism, you mentioned Josh Heupel, Shane. Tennessee broke the all-time school record. That's 113 seasons with 511 points scored. Mm -hmm. They also broke the record for touchdowns, scored 67 touchdowns. And again, first year on the job, a lot of moving parts. uh, Only had 70-some-odd scholarship players to work with. And how about this, Shane? This is something that we've not been able to say about Tennessee in a while. Staff continuity. Uh, yeah. They're bringing back all three coordinators. Alex Golish, the offensive coordinator. Tim Banks, defensive coordinator. Mike Eckler, special teams coordinator. Mm-hmm. Special teams had a hell of a lot of, of blocked kicks and big moments for the Vols. I think back to Pitt. I think to Alabama. Uh, I believe there was another big uh, uh, block they had. But, I mean, the, the special teams started to turn it around. And the, right. the only assistant coach not – 
on the team that was on the uh, on the team last year, Cody Burns, who got a promotion. Now he's the receivers coach for the New Orleans Saints. So they've had to elevate Kelsey Pope, who he was already on staff. So it's not like you're bringing in right. someone that's got to uh, you know learn the system. He knows the system. Was there last year. There was only two SEC teams, Shane, that had seven receivers with multiple touchdown catches, and Tennessee was one of them. So I don't think losing your receiver coach to someone that was already there is going to be much of a downgrade, do you? No, no, not a downgrade at all. I, th- I think we talked about this when it happened. This is one of those things that this is Hopple's offense, and I, I don't see him missing a beat here. And, you know, that's one thing about that's one thing about Tennessee, man. It, it's just a fun. They're fun to watch. They're sexy. They're fun. They, they score a lot of points. Everybody loves offense. I mean, I could tell you right now, uh, Shane, they come up to me and said, Shane, you're going to win every game this year, 6-0. to zero. Uh, You're going to go to a national championship and win. I'd be, I'd be excited that we're winning a national championship, but it would be miserable along the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, this is 22, man. We want to see some offense. We want to see some points. We want to see some – some just up and down the field and some action. I mean, this that's what this boils down to. It's a lifestyle, but it's also entertainment, and that's what that's what the volunteers are providing. And a lot of that's to do with the quarterback and wide receiver play, so I don't see it missing a beat, even though we lost one coach. Yeah, and, you know, you want to talk excitement, Shay. Tennessee did – they led the nation. This is incredible. They scored 190 points in the first quarter. They allowed only 51, so – they had the yeah. best margin in the country in the first quarter. But here's the the unfortunate part. De- it's a shame we didn't have more delays, you know? Like, just like, why why was there no storms in this thing, you know? Just in the game halfway through. Teams caught up to the Vols in the second quarter. They got outscored 143 to 109. So yeah. that is something that Josh Heupel and company, they've got to adjust. They've got to be able to keep at pace for at least the first half. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's, it's – you know, they, you, you hear it all the time from these teams. You just cannot prepare for this pace. Right. But maybe they do get accustomed to it in-game action. So there's got to be some wrinkles in the game plan next season because you've got to turn that around. you got to do better in the second quarter. You literally could not do better than Tennessee did in the first quarter. They look like mm-hmm. a damn college football playoff team if we just looked at <laughs> – we ended the game at the first quarter. You know what? Right. Well, I mean, and ironically, we were not a first half of the season team either. Uh, it took a while for these guys to get going. Uh, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but you, you think about that Pittsburgh game. That was, you know, one of those early ones. We're just trying to work our kinks out, and, and we weren't able to do so. So I think by the time this team got to working, you know, I, I think this record would look a lot better than it did last year. So, uh, but again, it, it's, it's, it's bits and pieces. It's flashes. It's it's exciting. It's fun. And um, I, I think this is a team that grows going into this season. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, now let me ask you because you know obviously you see a stat like that with the just jumping out. As I mean, sometimes I, I obviously I'm a homer. I get I get sucked into to volunteers. But as somebody that's a little bit more neutral than me, do you think? that improves that first first half jump do you do you think the cat's out of the bag now do you think people understand this offense and and my second question to you is improving on the second half and the back half of those games do you think we see that with uh maybe a little bit more competitive depth uh on our roster 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, depth was the biggest issue, I think, you could you could say for Tennessee last season. Uh, but I think coming out so fast and being so dominant in the first quarter, I think that really speaks to – and, you know, people took issue with me saying Josh Heupel, the, the SEC's best play caller. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's just brilliantly game-planned, you know, the start of these games. He knows how to attack defenses. He knows – uh, you know, how to put his players in a, in a position to exploit defenses. And, you know, these defenses, you know, this ain't minor league. This is the highest level of college football. They they adjust yeah. quickly. So, you know, he's got to come into it with, uh, you know, knowing how to counterattack a little bit better. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it all on Josh Heupel either because you got to remember Joe Milton was a starting quarterback. Right. Then Hendon Hooker was a starting quarterback. So I think the fact that you got a guy coming in, He's taken this as a business uh, approach. I've, I've heard all offseason his his work ethic and his dedication is is at a new level there. I'm, t- I'm talking of Hendon Hooker. So he's going to have a better grasp of the offense. And I, I think that is going to, to really help not just Hendon Hooker, but you know everybody on offense, the offensive line, which they, they've got four or five returning. They've got Cedric Tillman, the number one receiver. All these players have a much better – grasp of the system and what Josh Heupel is going to ask of him. So, uh, you know, I think that will play a little bit of a factor in in carrying over that momentum to the second mm-hmm. quarter, to the second half. Uh, but I, th- I think it's more of, like I said, defense is adjusting more than, uh, you know, maybe them figuring them out because, hell, you look at that – the bowl game was – I know they lost the bowl game, but, damn, they scored about 60 points. I mean, yeah. they they ain't solving this offense. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Do you think that we still – do you think we're better in the first half going into this season? Or do you are you expecting similar results of last season? Or or are you, are you thinking that – again, I'm just – that's – the newness – is and I know it's hard. You, you listen to Nick Saban talking about it's impossible to replicate this offense in practice because mm-hmm. just how quick they're moving the ball. But I mean, you, you saw some adjustments. And nobody wants to talk about Ole Miss. Nobody wants to talk about some of these games where you know they 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 found ways to slow this offense up uh, and, and confuse uh, Hooker at time. I, I, do you think we're going to see any of that this start season, or do you think? this offense is going to look even better than it did last year. I mean, I anticipate it will, Shane. I think it will be the best offense in the SEC, but it is predicated on one big thing, and that's them solving the offensive tackle situation. Now, they've got Darnell Wright returning. He was uh, a starting tackle, but they lost uh, Cade Mays, of course, who's now in the NFL. So, And they, right. they do not have an obvious candidate to replace him. So, I assume they're going to put Darnell right at right tackle and they're trying to solve the left tackle, but that's uh, the most important position on the offensive line. So uh, having a big question mark there, they have got to get that solved. Tennessee gave up the most sacks in the entire SEC, and yet they had this number two scoring offense. So just imagine if they can get that solved, you know, how much better they can do. And I think they will. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Now, how about Again, already already getting optimistic? You know, I mean, Cade didn't play that much last year, so I mean, I mean, how much are we really losing here? But I'm sorry. How about some of these numbers, Shane? Returning production, Tennessee's returning 99 percent of their passing yards. Yeah, 76 percent of the rushing yards, 61 mm-hmm. percent of your receiving yards, 
85% of your offensive line starts. So right there, you know, that is key to uh, why I think this offense is is yet to to hit their peak. I think they're going to continue to uh, climb. Now, they do need more receivers to emerge. They got talent. Right. But at the we're saying the same thing last year. Cedric Tillman, who in the hell is that? Now he's an All-American preseason. So, you know, <laughs> you need more guys to make that jump. You've got obvious candidates on the roster. We'll get to that in just a second. But that's got to happen if Tennessee is going to have an elite offense because everybody's going to be double-teaming Cedric Tillman this season. Now, how about on defense, Shane? They, were, they returned 74% of the tackles, mm-hmm. 69% of the sacks, 77% of the interceptions, and 66% of the tackles for loss. Tennessee led the SEC in tackles for loss. So it's not like the defense is devastated either. Quite a few returners on the defensive side as well. Right. Yeah, which was a surprise last year. I, a lot of people, myself included, thought that's where we would really struggle. But there was a lot of games that we were able to stay in just because of the defense. So – the fact that you got this improving or this talent coming back is is again, man. You just get me pumped up, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why we're leading off with this one. In just get me all pumped up about college football again. Here I am, twelve and zero, Tennessee Volunteers. No, I just <laughs> I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Now a quick review, Shane, on the uh, outgoing transfers for Tennessee. Really. There's only one impact guy, in my opinion, Tyon Evans, the running back. Mm-hmm. He left for Louisville. Everybody else, I mean, you're talking about losing guys to Eastern Kentucky, UNLV, South Alabama. So not a lot of impact lost other than Tyon Evans via the transfer portal. But what you got coming in, Brew McCoy, receiver from Southern Cal, former five-star. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played in two years, but last when he played, 21 catches, 236 yards, and two touchdowns as a true freshman. You're bringing in Andrew Turrentine from Ohio State. He was the number nine safety prospect in the country. He was compared to Vaughn Bell, according to uh, 24-7 sports analyst Barton Simmons, who Vaughn Bell's now in the NFL. He was All-American at Ohio State. You're bringing in Wesley Walker from Georgia Tech, a defensive back. He had 96 tackles. In 23 games, he's the stepbrother of Tyler Barron, uh, of course, Tennessee standout defensive lineman. And then two guys, Shane, this is interesting. This were actually three guys. They're bringing in as walk-ons, and normally you, you could kind of roll your eyes at walk-ons, but these are local players that dreamt of being Tennessee Vols. Now they have that opportunity. Jackson Hanna, linebacker at Nebraska. Again, he's a walk-on, but he played all 12 games last year at Nebraska. And then a tight end from uh, Central Florida, Charlie Browder, who he had 30 scholarship offers coming out of high school. So yeah. these are players that certainly will make an impact for Tennessee next season. And then Navy Schuler, who everybody should know that name, Heath <laughs> Schuler's son. He's transferred in, again, as a walk-on from old Appy State. But, hell, I, th- I think you're getting some depth uh, in those guys as well you know, via the transfer portal. And that's a telltale sign because these kids talk, these kids, you know, that's that's what they're selling is the dream of playing college football. And, and one of the big things that I like as far as future for Tennessee is when you've got more wanting to transfer in mm-hmm. than transfer out. So, again, this is that competitive depth I was telling you about. There's some of those players I think are going to impact immediately. Uh, are you going to do a breakdown of the receivers for Tennessee? 
We're going to do it in just a or, second here, Shane. <laughs> okay, because I'm getting pumped up because, you know, obviously I, I'm interested to Brew McCoy. I want to see what he brings to the program, but mm-hmm. I am curious in your thoughts uh, uh, who steps up. But, again, you're I'm, I'm on Chapter 18. You're on Chapter 4, so let me bring it back here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and the Vols. They- premature Shane, as my <laughs> wife likes to call. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Can we edit that out? <laughs> yeah, sure. The Vols had the uh, number 18 recruiting class in the country, Shane, number eight in the SEC, and uh, signed a number of four-star prospects. But I think the ones you really got to keep your eye on this season, Tyree West, a defensive lineman, should make an impact. Mm -hmm. James Pierce and Joshua Joseph's two pass rushers. Tennessee desperately needs more depth at the pass rushing position, so watch those guys. Justin Williams was on our uh, breakout players list as a running Mm -hmm. back and Caleb Webb receiver, very touted receiver. And then one more, they had a junior college cornerback, D. Williams. He was the number two junior college cornerback in the country. I mean, hell, he might be pegged as a starter coming in here Mm -hmm. for the Vols. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be a ton of impact from from this uh, signing class, not – this season, but in more in the right. years to come. And again, I think that speaks to how much returning production Tennessee has, where they're not, you know, asking all these new guys to come in and be exactly. contributors. Yeah, because you think about some of the teams that we're going to get to in the SEC, there's a lot of them that are going to be expected to do something immediately. And like you said, probably not going to see that as much at, the, at with Tennessee Volunteers. Mm-hmm. Now, I've ranked, Shane, the uh, offensive units from best, in my opinion, to maybe the, the biggest question marks. And I think you got to go quarterback for Tennessee because you got Hendon Hooker, who may be the second best quarterback in the SEC. Hell, he might be the second best quarterback in the country. You know, Joe Milton. You know, I know a lot of fans are out on Joe Milton, but hell, there's you look around the SEC, Shane, there's not a lot of experienced backups mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, not in this day and time. And then they got the four-star freshman, Taven Jackson. So that's a very solid group there for Tennessee at the quarterback position. But here's what you were asking. I've got them as the second-best unit, Shane, the receivers. So we got Cedric Tillman. We know what we're getting in him. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hyatt, another one that was on our breakout list. He's in line to start – this season for the Vols, you know, it's now or never for Jalen Hyatt. And then two guys that I really think have, have real potential here, Shane, Jimmy Holiday and Jimmy Callaway. They've been, I believe this is their third season in college football. They've never, mm-hmm. never really broken out. But again, the opportunity is there. It's, it's now or never for those guys. Uh, we've got Ramel Keaton, the senior, and then Walker Merrill, who's a sophomore, who's, who's got a lot of promise. And then you, of course, throw Brew McCoy into that mix. So, hell, I mean, they basically used three or four receivers last year. And, uh, you know, that's before we even get to the true freshmen that have promise. But I think this is a much deeper and, and more talented uh, unit this year for the Vols. The one thing, I, you know, I'm looking forward to is, is just a couple of these players to pop. And, and you know, you mentioned Holiday. You know, I think of Hyatt. I, I, we got to – I think coach is going to find more creative ways to get these guys in space because we do have a lot of shakers and movers. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. not the biggest, not the biggest receivers in the SEC, but we've got speed, brother, and we got speed in space. And I think that's what we're going to see here is is 
And, and, and not to mention, it helps our quarterback. It helps Hooker when you, you're throwing these short – it builds confidence when a little five-yard route becomes a 30-yard scamper. So I, I, I expect more of that this season, and, and that's what Tennessee is going to be bringing to the table is, is just space invaders, man. And it's going to be exciting. It's just going to add to the, the electricity uh, that Knoxville is going to be uh, showcasing this year. Yeah, and here's the thing, Shane. I mean, you could easily look at these receivers with the exception of Cedric Tillman and say, well, what in the hell have any of these guys done on the college field? But right. that's exa- that's the same thing we were saying about Cedric Tillman a year ago. I mean, he was a two-star right. recruit. He had seven career catches. And yet, you know, I don't want to dismiss him because I think he's got, you know, if, if he continues to progress, he's going to be playing in the NFL. But right. no one – no one in their damn mind said he was an NFL prospect a year ago. So this system and this coaching staff knows how to make these players elite. And right. these guys got all the tools. They just got to, you know, put in the work and be utilized in the correct way. And, hell, same thing for Valus Jones Jr. last year, who's now with the Chicago Bears. I mean, he was not on an NFL radar. So, uh, you know, who's going to be that next Valus Jones? Who's going to be that next Cedric Tillman? I think we've got two or three candidates here. And that's even before we get to Brew McCoy, who's got all the talent in the world. Well, and, and that's it. You're creating culture. And one of the things you talk about is Hooker in the offseason and taking that. This is a this is a business trip. This is a, there's a reason he came back is to to move further up in the draft. And to do that, so does the talent around you. And if you keep showing up every day, your buddy's going to show up every day. And you, you create that culture in that locker room, and that's why you see a lot of these volunteers coming back, opting back in. There's a lot of kids trying to transfer in. It's They're creating something in Knoxville that people want to be a part of, especially on that offensive side. So you see it with Hooker. You see it with the receivers. You, you saw some explosion last year. Some names come on the board. You weren't looking for it. Nobody was looking at Tillman, myself included. And then I walked away at the end of the season saying, damn, I can't believe he's coming back. Well, there's other receivers at this on this on this roster right now that we're going to be saying the exact same thing in December. Mm-hmm. No doubt, Shannon. So moving to the offensive line, again, we got four returning starters, Darnell Wright, Jerome Carvin, Cooper Mays, and – uh, Spragans. I mean, we got an outstanding core to work with there. But again, we need another tackle to emerge. The good news is you got multiple players vying for that. You got mm-hmm. Gerald Mincy, the transfer from Florida, who, who played 10 games last year for the Gators. Dane Davis, who was a, a former walk on that, uh, you know, last two coaching staffs have loved them some Dane Davis. So he's a candidate. And JJ Crawford. So we got a number of guys competing for that spot. Addison Nichols, he was the highest rated signee they have. You know, we could throw him into the mix, but it's probably mm-hmm. it's probably not realistic for a true freshman to, to kind of, you know, come on into the SEC and start, uh, particularly for a team returning four or five. But again, that speaks to uh, now we finally got some depth under Josh Heupel yeah. here. That's it, and you can't just have five. It's not this ain't high school, you know. Right. You, you've got to have, you've got to have rotation up front. You got to as, as quick as this offense is, is going to be moving. We've got to have plenty of talent behind these guys. So that's it's still. I, I mean, I know we got a lot of returning t- talent production, and, which is always good. 
If you're out there predominantly with another guy to your left and your right, you know exactly where he's going to be. You, you know he's going to pick up his assignments. It makes you better at your job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, you've got to have somebody can come in and relieve you and not see a, a, a loss in production, not seeing your quarterback scramble around the pocket because you missed a block. So that's, that's my only concern is, is the second tier of that offensive line. Yeah. Now the running back, Shane, we got Jabari Small, who had nearly 800 rushing yards last year. Mm-hmm. Jalen Wright, who you fit, you think is going to be a perfect fit for this offense. Uh, just one of the fastest players on the team. Didn't have a huge season, but this is his second year in college. Maybe it's a breakout for him. You got Laneith Whitehead, the power back, and then uh, the true freshman, Justin Williams. So, you know, maybe a little thin at this position, but but a lot of promise. And you got guys that fit multiple roles, which uh, I, I think that's what you want because you go, you want to get all these guys involved. And if they can all do different things, that's a great way to spread the ball around. Well, it's like fantasy football, Mike, in the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. It, it doesn't matter what running back is back there. You want him on your roster because he's going to get stats. And that's – that's exactly what's going to happen to the running back room there in Tennessee. It doesn't really matter who I mean it does matter. Don't I'm not saying that talent's not important, but you know, there's going to be ample opportunities especially when you're trying to trying to cover this receivers. You're you're trying to cover Hooker out of the backfield, which is probably one of the best running backs in that room, right. you know, and and that just frees up space for those running backs. So yeah, expect a couple of these guys to 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 get in some action, and make some serious noise. And then last group for the offense, tight ends, Jacob Warren, Princeton Fant. They both played a lot, lot of football last season. You got Miles Campbell, the young guy, and then again the transfer, Charlie Brewer from uh, Central Florida. Not a lot of game breakers here, but Warren and Fant, like I said, they played a ton of football made some plays, if they continue to progress, uh, maybe they take some of the pressure off these receivers next season. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, we've got the kid from uh, from Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he, he going to get immediate playing time? You know, I, I don't know. He played at Central Florida last year, so and he was recruited there by Heupel and his staff. So you got to think that they really like the kid. You know what? Right. Yeah, so, I mean, again, it's a room you can't have too many guys in. Um, I thought we'd get more production out of them last year. Mm-hmm. So, I am kind of eager, you know. I mean, you always do that. So, <laughs> why do we do this every year, Mike? <laughs> we, the new guy comes in, we're like, yeah, we, you know, I like fan, but what about this guy? You know, <laughs> it's like, I do it every year, I, and, and I, I put him higher and higher than he probably should be. I mean, he was playing at Central Florida, but um, I don't know. I just – that's a position that kind of surprised me. We didn't get as much production in last year, so hopefully we see some improvement this season. Now on the defensive side, Chad, I think the strength is going to be the defensive line with uh, Byron Young, Tyler Barron, Omari Thomas, Latrell Bumpus, all players that have played at this level and made made great impacts. Uh, Dejon Terry, Dominique Bailey, Karat Garland, we've got some depth. Uh, to work with with uh, Rodney Garner, the outstanding defensive line coach. And if Tennessee is going to make improvements on the defensive line, this group has got to uh, you know make plays because I, I've got some serious questions about the defensive backfield, but we all know defensive backs is only as good as, uh, as the pass rush. 
Well, exactly. Uh, the the better secondaries that we've seen in the NFL and college football all starts from disruption and noise up front. And and if you can keep a quarterback on his heels, that's only going to help you. If you can keep those lanes full, that's only going to help these linebackers, you know, open up pass. So th- this is a key position, and this is one, in, especially in SEC football, that you've got to have at the top of their game if you want to compete with the big boys. And uh, Tennessee, they, they got a lot of returning production. I, this is another position I'm not as worried about, and it, and it feels good going into this season. Mm-hmm. Now next I got linebackers, Shane. We got Jeremy Banks, who was just a, a production machine last year for the Vols. Mm-hmm. Roman Harrison has, has shown a ton of potential. Aaron Beasley, he was uh, a starter all last season. Bryson Eason mm-hmm. and Juwan Mitchell, the, the transfer from Texas who didn't make much of an impact. Many people thought he wouldn't be on the roster this year, but he's back. So we got some depth there, but I, I've got some big questions about this group. If uh, you know, If people don't emerge here, I certainly don't think it's going to be one of the better groups in the SEC, but they've got some potential. Potential for sure, and, and and again, I think the defensive line is going to help this group the most. Uh, you know, because you could be, you could be a really good linebacker, but if you if you can't get off linemen blocks, if, if your lanes are full constantly, it's tough to play that position in the SEC. And I, that's why I'm so excited about the the front that we have coming in. You mm-hmm. know, I, I like Banks. Uh, you know, if we could just keep – I don't know if he did some anger management classes this offseason <laughs> or, you know, I think he led the league in personal fouls. So, long as he, he keeps it reined in. But that's kind of what you want back there. You want a madman running around and, and knocking heads off. So, mm-hmm. you just want to, to kind of take it easy after the whistle, you know. <laughs> but the biggest question, Mark, Shane, no no doubt about it, defensive backs for the Vols. Yeah. You, you do return Jayla McCullough and Trayvon Flowers, but – I mean, these are these are guys that played a lot and got burned a lot. So they have got mm-hmm. to make uh, massive improvements for this defense to be to be a strength. You return Warren Burrell, who he had a rough stretch, but he had his highlights. Brandon Turnage, he was actually SEC Defensive Player of the Week after South Carolina, so he's flashed some. Christian Charles has, you know, he made an impact early as a freshman last year. Kamal Haddon, the uh, transfer from Auburn. Deshaun Rucker, Tamarion McDonald, Danico Slaughter. So you got pieces back there to work with, but uh, this is this is a group that really, really, really has to improve if Tennessee is is going to be a force in the SEC. They have to, Mike. I mean, this is this is a a position. This is one you that hurts you the most. You know, I mean, you can you can bottle them up for the first three downs, but damn, you catch somebody going long and it's over. You know, it's all that hard work goes right out the window. And that's one thing that we saw last year. Uh, a lot of just drive killers. You, you you think you got them off the field. This defense is tired. It's exhausted. And then the secondary give up some stupid play. And, and next thing you know, they got a whole new series. And that's what you can't have because later in the game, you know, those 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 big boys can only stay out there so long. And if you keep them on the field, uh, that's where the problems come in. Mm-hmm. And the good news for the special team, Shane, we can't overlook that. Chase McGrath, the kicker, he's back. He was outstanding for the Vols. Punter Paxton Brooks is also back as a starting punter. So we've got those two positions. You'd love to see the continuity there. Mm -hmm. So biggest questions heading into fall camp, Shane. We've hit a lot of this already. Who's going to start at offensive tackle? That's the 
basically the only major question I have for the offense, along with, uh, you know, which receivers are going to take that next step with plenty of talent there. Uh, for the defense, who starts at corner? We just hit on that. We need some pass rushers to emerge. Who are those guys that emerge in fall camp? And, and kind of the, the last one I got, Shane, with uh, we mentioned Volusia Jones Jr. off to the NFL. Now Tennessee needs a, a kick returner. Who will emerge there? Because that was a really underrated aspect of, uh, of Volusia Jones Jr.'s game last year. And, and Tennessee, I don't know who that's going to be right now. Yeah, my biggest one is, is offensive line, um, you know, because there was times last year it felt like they tried to keep Hooker conservative and, and it was a little tougher to keep this offense on the field. You know, it's it's obviously really running well when he's able to run, but you don't want your quarterback to run because to tell in the season we got a banged up quarterback. So um, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, just the blocking schemes and and keeping that pressure off of them, keep the chains moving. So we got to have the running game going. Uh, so the biggies, the big boys up front, obviously that's where I've got my my biggest question. Uh, the second one is uh, secondary, and uh, you know, just again. There was a lot of opportunities blown last year and uh, really caught us later in the season. So I just want to see how well that that group develops coming in the uh, to, to 22 here. So your favorite part, Shane, let's take a deep dive into this schedule. Give us, a, you know, a projected yeah. type record that you can see with your orange tinted glasses on. <laughs> but I mean, no doubt right out the gate. Thursday opener, Thursday, September 1st, Ball State at home. That's that's a pick your yeah. score type game, don't you think? Absolutely. Ball's deep into that one. We're going <laughs> to we're going to be 35 points in the first quarter. So this one, we're remember optimistic. I don't I don't know. Can we say that? Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't say that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Can we say? Okay. So again, this is optimistic you know, we're, we're going to take the absolute best thing here because a lot of people are going to just take this little section and say, well, Shane's an idiot. He, he had him going, okay, no. <laughs> this is best-case scenario, and I don't see – even worst-case scenario, I don't see us losing to Ball State. Yeah. Now, now here's where it's, it's really going to start to uh, ratchet up week two. At Pitt, a team that beat you last year, of course, but they lost their quarterback, first-round pick to the Steelers. They lost their All-American yep. receivers at Southern Cal now. They lost their offensive coordinator. I mean, a, a lot of losses for the Pitt Panthers. But that's going to be a tricky game. But, hell, Tennessee probably should have beat them last year. So, uh, oh, yeah. I think Tennessee's going to be better. Pitt's going to be not as good. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not sitting here saying that's going to be a slam dunk. But Tennessee should win that game, don't you think? Oh, without a, they should have won it last year, Mike, with uh, an NFL quarterback, with an NFL – or I don't know, where would the receiver go? He left. Southern Cal. Yeah, Southern Cal. So, we ain't going to worry about him either. So, <laughs> Pittsburgh – I mean, this this is a team that we should have beat last season. I hate – there were some opportunities, some terrible calls, terrible ref calls uh, that, that we should have – you know, not only hung in this game, but won it. But this a different situation, Mike. September 10th, when we go to Pittsburgh, this thing, again, going to be knocked out early. Uh, Tennessee's just way too talented for this program. In fact, there won't be near as much coverage on this one because they know <laughs> it's going to be a blowout. Orange, <laughs> got my, I'm drinking the orange Kool-Aid, baby. <laughs> Third week of the season, Akron at home, another pick-your-score mm -hmm. type game, right? 
yeah, I don't even know where the hell Akron is, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> don't Google it because this is three and O, baby. <laughs> now this may be the biggest game of the year, Shane. I mean, I know. Is that, got, I think it's Ohio, isn't it? It is. Ohio, yeah. It? yeah. The only good thing in Ohio is like Kings Island and Cedar Point. You know what I'm saying? And I would rather pay more money to go see that than this game because it is going to be a, a, a travesty. <laughs> well, speaking of travesty, Shane, I mean that's Tennessee's record against them Florida Gators. But the Gators are coming to town, uh, fourth week of the season, new coaching staff, a lot of turnover there. Uh, again, this is going to be, I think, the biggest game of the Josh Heupel era. I mean, it's you don't want to have any game as a must win for your coach in his second season, but this is about as damn close as it gets. This is, this is a must win for Tennessee, don't you think? Must, must, must win. It was, you know, we thought about last year, we thought we were further behind these guys, and sometimes we played like it. And you could see the wheels kind of fell off Florida after this. Um, there's no reason that we can't go toe-to-toe with this program. And, and being optimistic about this game is the fact that it is played early. Um, you know, they're still going to be working their kinks out. They're still going to be finding their identity. They still got a tough quarterback that you really got to keep an eye on. That's the only, you know, if you have an asterisk by this program mm-hmm. is AR-15s coming to town. But it is at home. It's, I guarantee this damn thing's going to be checkered. It's probably going to be 330, CBS. It's going to be electric. <laughs> Uh, this is going to be a fun game to watch and take the family to. Uh, and I think we get a victory here over the Florida Gators. Ooh. All right. Then next week, Tennessee's off. So we got two weeks to prepare on the road at LSU. Who in the hell knows what to make of LSU this point in time? So many unknowns. But it is never easy, Shane, to go into Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and escape with that W, especially if they – they decide to make this a night kick, which they probably will. Uh, at LSU, what are you thinking about that one? This is one of those teams that obviously you worry about because LSU could look god-awful, and the next thing you know, they, they're a top – 10 powerhouse and and they've got the roster to do that it's just how quick does kelly get this thing in form Mm -hmm. uh i think that's the kicker that and also being at lsu i I don't know if it's going to be a night game but they would miss an opportunity if it wasn't it'd be a just it's just uh, again another electric atmosphere um I like Tennessee, obviously, because I, I think LSU's building something. They're doing what Tennessee did last year. And, and again, I'm trying to be optimistic in best-case scenario. And how can you do that and not pick Tennessee to be 5-0 and at this point? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's some, there's some big boys coming to town that I, I'm probably not going to be able to <laughs> convince even myself. But at the, this point, I, I think new coaches – New systems. Uh, we we're rolling. We're we're undefeated at this point. You go down there and you finish things with the LSU Tigers. Ooh, well, I, now here's the big boy. He's coming to town, Shane. Right after that, <laughs> Nick Saban and the crew, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Will Anderson, the best defensive player, Alabama Saturday, October fifteenth, third Saturday in October, on Rocky Top. Big big upset being pulled, the, just, the streak getting snapped. Mike, we just want a rivalry again. You know what I'm saying? Right. We want to talk about the third Saturday in October. I don't you, – it gets tired – my cigars are so damn old, I'm afraid to smoke them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I may get sick <laughs> off these things. I haven't – I may ha- – I'm ready to beat Crimson Tide. I am, brother. But the fact of the matter is, 
even best case scenario, it, it is tough for me to put anything on the Tennessee Volunteers. I love them. I, you know, at this point, even being optimistic, I think they're undefeated. But the fact of the matter is, this is Alabama. This is Nick Saban, and they've had our number for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. It does help we're at home. Of course, I say that. You remember the last time we were at home? <laughs> this thing was <laughs> over halftime. So, I, I I don't know. I saw some improvements last season going against Alabama. We hung in the the first half of the game. It was really really close. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we let go the second half, but we didn't lose by that much. And I know that sounds like a what do they call a oh, what do you call it when you moral victory yeah. i guess you would say <laughs> you know we, we definitely had one with alabama last year but that's not why we got apple here it's not why we're renovating this stadium that's not why we put so much money into these nil deals and, and these and this just the the team in general we we go to these games to win and make this rivalry great again so that's what i want to see but i just still think alabama is top to bottom too much too much talent for us now next week first first loss of the season ooh, three points man that's yeah that's they got tough. a field goal right at the end wait well, hey, that's a cover so if you bet you're you're coming out ahead there <laughs> yeah. but the next next week Shane another laugher UT Martin pick your score homecoming mm-hmm. type game so we're going what what would that be six and one right yeah you could borrow players from all UT schools <laughs> even Texas uh this 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 one's over this ain't even a ball game we're we're licking our wounds a little bit because we just lost our first game but no martin you're done this is a homecoming probably now this may be uh you know one of the most important games on the schedule shane next week kentucky comes to town we all know they're rising there in lexington big blue nation they hate the vols mark stoop it doesn't matter who the coach is it seems like Mark Stoops mm-hmm. and Vince Morrow's got some beef with them, and uh, that has continued now. They're now their rivals on the field and in recruiting. Kentucky comes to town Saturday, October 29th. Last time they came to Neyland Stadium, Shane. Unless you, in case you missed it, the other 1,000 times Big Blue Nations reminded you, Kentucky came away with a victory. Are they doing it mm-hmm. again this fall? Well, Mike, when are we talking Kentucky? We're doing Tennessee today. When's Kentucky come up? We'll probably have to do it next time you're on. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll kiss their ass then because <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the Tennessee-Kentucky game I watched last year was electric. It mm-hmm. was fun. It was exciting. It came down to the wire. I don't expect this one to be any different, but just like last year, we got them. You know what I'm saying? We got them. I'm, I'm looking at bourbon bottles right now. You know, those bourbon <laughs> bottles were mailed to me for a reason, and that's because Kentucky lost last year. So I'm being optimistic today. I think this will be a tough match. This is a game, Mike. We're crazy if we're not there and attending because this is going to be a fun environment. This has become Tennessee's greatest rivalry right now. And I, I know it sounds crazy, but it, I've never seen so much hate going into a game in a long long time i mean it reminds me of the florida the 90s almost it's just it it just kind of has transformed into this thing kentucky thinks they're better than us we think they're better we're better than kentucky and and it does go back and forth and i don't expect this game to be any different so if i'm flipping a coin and i'm being optimistic mike i gotta go volunteers getting another victory here what does that move us to? One, two, seven and three, one. Four, five. Oh, seven and one. Oh, baby. Come on now. Almost about to have a parade. 
The parade is probably going to end uh, the next week, though. November 5th, all on the road at Georgia, reigning national champions. What's your uh, crystal ball say about this one, Shane? Well, Mike, I mean, you know, it's like Alabama. There's two games you don't want to talk about. One's Alabama, <laughs> one's Georgia. These, these, they're just NFL. They're like baby NFL teams. That's yeah. what they are. And and nobody wants to do that. It's like you ever watching Globetrotter games when you're growing up. You know, <laughs> the untalented roster out there. That that's Tennessee, and the, and the other ones that's you know whistling and playing with the audience. That's that's Georgia. They're playing with their food, and and I I don't see that changing anytime soon. They're the loaded from top to bottom. This defending national champs hell alabama don't even want to play him right now so uh this one obviously uh, i've got a loss it'd be beautiful if it was another miracle down there but uh i just don't see it happening this year i i like to think of uh georgia and alabama more as uh american gladiator shane remember where like you get some yeah. nerds on there that you'd always root for the nerd and maybe he'd get yeah. past the first one and then he'd just get clobbered by the next gladiator so cyborg or something <laughs> <laughs> that's it this is we're we're running we're barreling down that little path and you know they had those four doors that were covered and one of them had a gladiator you're just praying the gladiator's not behind it you know what i'm saying you're praying you don't get blown out by 40 points just squeak by that'll be good but the next week shane coming back home home game for missouri who again at the top yeah. of the show i said that was biggest josh heupel's biggest sec win to date I know Missouri fans are they have high hopes they're expecting better things but I think you got to chalk this up as a win don't you Yeah and and the reason is 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 I like the scheduling here uh again you're catching Florida and LSU early you're getting Missouri and South Carolina late. And the reason that's important to me, Mike, is because I think they're talent, They're more talented than people are giving them credit for. I, I think Mizzou has got a good ball club. I think South Carolina has got a good ball club. Mm-hmm. By, by November 12th, we will know that. There's right. no sneaking up. There's. I, I think Mizzou's going to have a few upsets this season. I just don't think it's going to be Tennessee this year. And so, like you said, next week at South Carolina, I mean, hell, Mm-hmm. I got no problem with anybody thinking South Carolina can beat Tennessee at home because I believe it. But it, yeah. it's interesting that you make that point because hell, South Carolina's got a gauntlet to go through too, Shane. And and mm-hmm. so we'll see how deep that roster is, how good it is by late in the season. But I got a feeling you're gonna pick the big orange to uh, to go on the road and and earn that win in Columbia. Well, clearly, again, optimism, you know, optimistic. You can't spell it without UT. I don't know if you can. I don't know. I'm not good at spelling. Just throw you in there. But South Carolina, this is another program that is going to be a lot better than they were last year. And I, and I don't think we come out and score 28 points in four minutes. You know, I don't, I don't think that happens this year. But, again, we are going to score a lot of points against South Carolina South Carolina is probably going to score a lot against us. I just think when it's all said and done, we'll have more. And then the finale at Vanderbilt, no one in their right mind is uh, is going to be picking yeah. Vanderbilt to win an SEC game until we see it, don't you think? Mm-mm. Yeah, if there's one team praying COVID comes back, it's Vanderbilt, <laughs> so they can just not go to this one. But, yeah, they will not be planting their flag anywhere near us. Actually, we'll be in Vandy, so we'll have home field advantage. Now, yeah, we're we're beating these guys. Let me ask you real quick. So you got the Vols optimistically going ten and two. I certainly yep. could see that. I, I think nine and three is probably a little bit more realistic because mm-hmm. you know some of the games we hit on here: Florida, Kentucky, 
at South Carolina, at Pitt, at LSU. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for Tennessee to win all those. Not saying they can't do it, but uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. And, hell, who knows? Maybe they do. They pull a stunner. Maybe they do beat Alabama. Maybe they they win at Georgia. Certainly not going to be betting on that. But let me ask, mm-hmm. of those five toss-ups real quick, Shane, most important to win, in my opinion, is Florida with Kentucky yeah. a close second and South Carolina third. I, I'm really just picking those because they're division teams, and and mm-hmm. and Josh Heupel's got to stay ahead of Beamer. He's got to stay ahead of Mark Stoops. What's your? How would you rate those three? Florida, Kentucky, at South Carolina. Most important to win. Most important. I'm going to go Florida first. This is a monkey that's been on her back for a long, long time, and you know you got a new crop of kids, and you want to. St- Start a new culture. We talked about this earlier in the podcast. You do that by not being afraid of the team in Gainesville. And you've got a you got a new coach down there. Start your new chapter with a victory here. Uh, I think that's the most important game. Uh, like you said earlier, it's not a must win, but it's a it's it's a must win. You know, in my opinion, mm-hmm. this is a game. You, Florida's not getting worse, in my opinion. I think they, this is a program that continues to grow, that continues to get back in there in the race in the East. Uh, but while they're there got to beat them you got to capitalize we should have done it last year we should do it this year because it is at home so that's the number one my second one clearly is kentucky i just told you uh i think the rivalry is is bigger than people than talk about um you know and outside tennessee kentucky you probably don't hear a lot you know I, I don't think it's quite got the egg bowl or iron bowl feel to it but it's pretty damn I mean, it's chippy, man. Everything we play, we play volleyball, and somebody sends out a tweet on it. We're 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 giving each other shit over it. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know who's on the volleyball team, but I'm I'll make a comment if I'm getting drug into it. You know what I'm saying? So we just it's become that, and that's what that's what we like college football for, Mike. We like it because we can talk shit all year long. So uh, that one right there, I think, is number two for me. Uh, third most important game uh, and last, I I. I I want to go to South Carolina, but that late in the season, I, I don't think it's as big of a deal mm-hmm. as LSU. Here's another program that's probably going to be a night game. It's kind of, it's going to be televised. It's going to be, give Hopple an opportunity to showcase what the University of Tennessee is doing. And when you're on a big stage like that, you got to capitalize. So number three for me is LSU. Not a huge rivalry, not a team we play often. But, again, I just think when this one hits the air, it's going to be on ESPN and everybody's going to be watching it. Mm. Well, you know, Shane, people like to give a shit. Some people say this is uh, that Tennessee podcast. But this one, <laughs> this one really was Tennessee Deep Dive Fall yeah. Camp Preview Volunteer Takeover. We're going to be hitting the rest of the SEC moving forward. I uh, haven't decided which team to tackle next, but that will be on the next episode. going to dedicate – uh, a long, long deep dive, just like we did here on the Vols. But you got anything mm-hmm. else before uh, before we close it out? No, ten and two volunteers sounds really nice, Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, hey, when we get to the next team, we're again we're going to continue this optimism uh, in the off season because there's a lot of things to be grateful for, uh, and I'm grateful for you, Mike. I thank you for all the work you did. Uh, getting this pod together and and taking us here in the off season and just again every day we're doing it you're doing a pod every day 
sometimes I'll get on I'll get on there. I'm like, damn, Mike did a pod yesterday. He didn't even ask me. You know what I'm saying? I'm, <laughs> so uh, I'm, you're going to start hearing more of me. Uh, so that may be a good thing or bad thing. I don't know. If you hate me, probably <laughs> going back to fine bomb. But if, if you like me, uh, expect more because I really like these uh, individual team breakdowns. This is my favorite part. The ath- Like the athlete, you just – you're getting to feel. You're, you're finding out who your program is and you're getting you, – you just – you know, it just keeps building up. Go through media days. We hit – we hit uh, September and it's it's game time, baby. And we're and then we're disappointed about game three or usually or game five. There's gonna be a game that sneaks up and you're gonna you're gonna be hurt again. But until then, let's ride it, baby. Let's all go undefeated. Yeah, no doubt. Well, brother, that's gonna do it for this episode of the show. Went damn near an hour on just the Tennessee Vols. So let's close this thing out and uh, cannot thank you enough for joining the show. I can't thank everybody. For continuing to support the show as we inch closer to the upcoming SEC football season. But uh, that's going to do it. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. <laughs>